Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 90 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is Dean Ayers, and I am joined, as ever, by sports journalist, all-round good guy, and Twitter blue tick wanker Liam Hab. You see a, a bit of a, a bit of a mix there. Is it good? Is it bad? Oh, we don't know. Yeah, that that is what we refer to in the media industry as a shit sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very good shit sandwich, Dino. Well done. Well, the the insult was at the end though. You, you had you had two slices of bread on top. All right, of it's a shit cheesecake then. Oh. Let's call it a shit cheesecake. A shit cheesecake. Yeah. I like that. Happy with well, that? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I like the name. I don't like the concept. I wouldn't want to eat one. Because of the shit or because you're lactose intolerant anyway? No, I'm fine with lactose. I, I just... Just everything funnel, else. Yeah, just funnily enough, not keen on eating shit. Well, you know, in the, in the life of a wrestling manager, I'm sure you have to eat plenty of shit from time to time. This is true. Um, also, I've uh, just had some live feedback from my uh, my delightful stepdaughter Phoebe of a riveting, written on a whiteboard, or a whiteboard, a blackboard. With, with regards to the shit cheesecake. The shit cheesecake. I think she is not uh, she is not keen on a shit cheesecake either. These kids these days, man, they've got no respect for the classics. I know. Back in my day, we'd we'd jump at the chance of having the shit cheesecake. <laughs> but hey, what can you do, kids these days? Eh? <laughs> oh, anyway. This is one of my favourite intros so far. <laughs> Ninety episodes. This is the best one. Do you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we meticulously plan this opening, and other times, like today, we just go with it, and 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 this is what you get—a shit cheesecake. I, I have I have no recollection of any meticulously planned ones. I would never I would never desecrate the uh, the spirit of the improv like that. Unlike you, Dean. I see. Um, you're just lifting the veil there, breaking throwing you under the bus, mate. I'm not yep. having any of this. Yeah. There you go. So so how are you doing? How's your week been? It's not been bad so far. Uh, the kiddo has broken up for Easter today, mm-hmm. so we've got very close to three weeks of more of a juggle but at least we've got another slight re- lifting of restrictions coming up soon which will which will make a few days out possible and then on the very final day of the easter break it's her fifth birthday as well so Ooh. well yeah i ha- i have one more day at work and then i have the uh the week after easter off uh in the build-up to wrestlemania that's not the reason that i took the week off but um It'll be good to have a break anyway. Absolutely. And and cleverly, I have decided to come back um, the day after restrictions are lifted, which is really clever of me. However, I did find out today that April the 12th is not only the day that, uh, that the next lifting of, reg- of restrictions in the UK are, but it's also uh, National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. 
and and I for one will be partaking. Oh, it'd be rude not to, wouldn't it? But yeah, I, yep. I will struggle because of that former note before the latter. I will struggle for time to construct a grilled cheese sandwich. The main reason being is I intend to spend that first day that we're allowed to go back into places like Ikea and curries and that. I've been missing some of that stuff. So I'm going to be spending the whole day binging on non-essential shops I've been saving up chunks of each paycheck for the last few months I just (laughs) want to go absolutely bananas on sofas, settees and I do have my own a very good uh, upgrade on the front room TV but it's the sort of thing I prefer to do when I can actually have a little look at these TVs and speak to an expert it's not an online job buying a new TV no no, it is not I fully agree with you but uh, on the subjects of TVs I'm well, I'm not looking at a TV. I'm looking at a, a laptop screen here because uh, tonight we are we are doing another watch along. But this, this is the day after the Great American Bash 1996, which we covered with James Dickens just two episodes ago, episode number 88, um, where we saw what did we? Well, the shot, the most shocking thing of all is we saw Steve Mongo McMichael turn heel on his tag partner Kevin Green and seemingly become a new member of the Four Horsemen. Well the most shocking thing I saw was how bloody good that match was. I thought it was mm. very entertaining, wasn't it? Yeah. And then in a sort of an overshadowed main event, the giant retained against uh, Lex Luger and um and Sting Sting beat uh, Lord Stephen Regal, which was to be expected, but it was a pretty good match. So, so this is going to be the fallout of that very show. Yeah, Sting going over a mid card they expected. Eric Bischoff being put through a floor by a powerbomb, less so. It was a very eventful pay per view that punched above its weight on quality. Mm. So I enjoyed that. As anyone who listens back will check out our our episode with Mr. Dickens. We we all unanimously enjoyed that show. It is it really is like a top five or top ten all time WCW pay per view, and yeah, it leaves you relishing the the timeline of it to jump straight into this immediate nitro listen up slap nuts that's right this is jeff jarrett the chosen one and you're listening to because wcw now choke on that okay so if you do want to uh watch along with us on the network or wherever you get your nitros from um this is uh the episode it's number 40 isn't it the 40th nitro this was originally broadcast on the 17th of june 1996 so um yeah we have got our time set up are you all set up Liam, on zero 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 I was hoping you'd say that. I was dreading you possibly not saying that. And uh, I, I hate to disappoint. And and have you uh, have you got the advert out of the way? Funnily enough, one of the reasons I decided to pull aside the fact that you say zero 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 was to get the advert out of the way. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, we shall press play in three, two, one, play. Cue those burning buildings. Oh, they're so ablaze. This, they are ablaze. The, this episode, uh, minus the ad, <clears throat> minus the ad breaks, is one hour thirty-one. Yeah, I, too I, bad. I do miss those slim hour episodes, forty-five or so, without uh, yeah. advert breaks. But you know, at least we're still in a period where WCW Nitro episodes are by and large entertaining. 
Yes, indeed. And we we have the we have the sort of the marquee matches that you would have got anyway. And then the, the, there has been a bit of filler. So it'd be interesting to see, are they kind of lowering the filler and, and sort of just expanding the TV card a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, and, it's it's unanimous with most fans and insiders that two hours is the sweet spot for the yeah. flagship show. Maybe something smaller should definitely be a shorter length. But it's funny where, as you pointed out, at this time in the timeline, I think WCW didn't even know how to fully use two hours. Mm. At this point, I don't think they did. Now, it's uh, notable that... Tony Giovanni and uh, Larry Zabisco are sat at the desk that is usually frequented by Bischoff and Heenan. Holy cow. Yeah. They have, now, uh, they have the, what's the Tom Hanks film? Look at me. I am the captain now. They've done that. Me about films. They've been promoted. The Pirates, Dean. The Pirate film. With Tom Hanks? With Tom Hanks. I didn't know Tom Hanks had done a pirate film. He did a pirate film. I don't know. Captain Phillips. No, never. Look at it. me. I am the captain now. Now, I, my humour's wasted on you. My pop culture from eight years ago is wasted <laughs> on you. Now, I, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if they're up here because Bischoff, I'm presuming, is not going to be on tonight's show. He's going to be selling that powerbomb. Oh yes, we overlooked that. There is a small matter of him being completely obliterated. Yes. Oh, Zabisco's firing the first salvo. Remember, mm-hmm. since the May 27th episode when it was stretched out two hours, and they did this commentary split, Zabisco immediately established himself as a heel commentator. But he issued a threat to Hall and Ash, and as you'll know, uh, Zabisco and Hall was a thing. Pretty much throughout the entirety of the NWO storyline, Dean. Mm. Fire yeah, nice and the so Steiners. Just, uh, yeah, just get a recap. Yeah. That split us slightly, if I remember, on the on the uh, pay per view episode. I, th- I think there was a mixed response between you, James, and myself, if I remember correctly. It was a. Yeah, it was it was an, an okay opener, but oh, there's uh, then we we've just going through Bubba and John Tenter. What were we saying? Finish. What were we saying about them struggling to fill two hours? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're now going through Mysterio against Malenko, moves and holds we'd never seen before, which is very true, very true on that match. And there's a rematch between the two of them later tonight. That That is a good way to keep pushing that. Ooh. Because obviously it's a very much a new entity. And now they're referencing the Mongo Michael turn. And they'll show us that footage apparently. Oh, he's Michaels according to, uh, to Zabisco with an S on the end. And, and Zabisco has rediscovered his traditional hill hat and he's decided to do a 180 on his opinion of Mongo. He likes Mongo now, apparently. I, I guess the difference here is that with Hall and Nash, you've got two outsiders coming in to attack your organisation and then 
the other stuff with with McMichael is is like internal domestic stuff. Yeah, they're really I trying to establish this whole third way style of thinking, which obviously is it's a very fresh approach to your traditional protagonist antagonist setup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You'll 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 have a go at people within the organization, but when it comes to like attacking your organization as a whole, you close ranks. So we've uh, we've now got the incident between Bischoff and Hall and Nash at the bash. Um, they uh, they made sure Dean to repeat the bit where he ha- they had Eric ask them, "Do you work for WWF?" And they both answered <laughs> yes. no. They made sure that was on Nitro as well as Pavery, just just to really bolster up that legal case. I'm guessing. Yep, absolutely. The medium-sized man. Yes. Scott calls himself the (laughs) medium-sized man. Can you imagine a planet where he was medium-sized? Yeah. And that car view up, that's exactly what he used to do as Razor Ramon, though, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, here we go. He was going to tell tell us tomorrow. He was going to tell us tonight who who those men were. We'll probably now never know. Oh, and we haven't got the powerbomb. They've cut it. They've cut it before the powerbomb. That makes a lot of sense in a story. Like, that's like putting the censorship sign on the snake on Randy Savage's arm. That really hammers it home as a frightening incident. I, I, I get that, to be fair. Is it because it's a frightening incident, or is it you have to pay You have to pay for the pay-per-view to watch Bischoff go through that snake? Hey, why can't it be both? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, that's true. Very true. Okay, so we've got a oh, we've got a singles match. Oh fuck, it's Stevie Ray. I was so, hoping it'd be Booker C. I was going to say. So basically, yeah, we've got we've got two people in Harlem Heat, and they decide to have Stevie Ray as the guy to wrestle the singles match. I suppose Law of Averages says it has to happen at some point. Unfortunately. Yeah. And his outfit is very strange. It looks like it should either be higher or lower, but not where it is. Is that what the song's about? Hi, hi, hi. Low, low, low. No? no it's, it's yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Well, in his case, I think it could be pertaining to his, his attire. On this occation, quite possible. Here's Rick Steiner. I'm not currying he's, much he's favour with you tonight. He's to be a babyface. Yeah, I'm um, happy to be a baby face. Yeah, like, but by Steiner standards, that is a smile on his face, I suppose. Yeah. And can I also just mention, I am pretty certain, I'm pretty certain that I've just seen the banquet table. The banquet table is here? I believe so. Okay, well, we need I, to I get wanna, confirmation. I wanna, yeah, I, I don't want to you know, completely confirm it, but I, I'm, I've seen a table... And I'm pretty optimistic it is that it is that bank. We will have our place. finest investigative journalists on standby. Oh, it's fantastic for me to say. I make myself look like a right tit. Um, but we will get to the bottom of this because the the the, the thumbs up or thumbs down of this nitro could hinge upon the appearance or lack thereof of Ric Flair's banquet table. Yeah, talking of a right tit, um, Stevie Ray has got his right tit out and with this uh, strange-looking outfit and the left. Um, looks very odd. 
Oh, two two guys in the front row being ushered off by security after like high fiving Rick Stein. I'm not quite sure what they've done. Well, they were acting like a pair of right tits, then. Ah. I've got a feeling they like shouldn't be sitting there. <laughs> or they've refused to put on their Hulk Hogan t-shirts, which, as you know, is, is that is akin to committing murder in a WCW that, arena. Yeah. That is a federal offence, I believe. <laughs> he nearly killed him on that. Stevie Ray did not do a good job of getting over for that overhead belly to belly. Definitely not. But thankfully, he knows how to tuck his chin. He might have another reason to do so right now. Flying Bulldog. Yep. Ah, oh, so Dean. Two count. I was about to say at least it was short, but they won't even give us that. No. Oh, and the big power slam from Stevie Ray. And you know now that means he's going to be in charge for a bit. Well, it was a decent power slam at least. He's going up to the second rope. And he's a very long way away, and he missed. Steiner line. That could be it. At least it was short. It is. Yeah. But here comes Booker T, the man who should have wrestled this. Oh, big axe kick. And the crowd, listen to the crowd. They're loving it. They know who's coming. Or they know who has oh, to come down. Oh, they know Steiner's going to come, yeah. I can see a few, like, waving someone down, but there's no sign yet. Ooh. It looks like we have our next tag team feud in, in the middle of the card. Definitely. Powerbomb by Stevie Ray. Sorry, by, um, yeah, by Stevie Ray. Booker T going up top. Oh, here, here the noise is uh, being made. Here comes Scott. And his first move was to actually shield his brother. Yeah. Just laid over the back of uh, of Rick Steiner's head to, to block the um the impact of a knee drop. And considering when the Steiners left WCW at the end of ninety two, and considering that Harlem Heat, you know, they came in ninety three, Steiners have just yep. come back. We are I believe we are about to get one of the more recognizable tag team feuds in the 10-year history of the company. Yeah. Two legit pairs of brothers. Uh, and talking about uh, tag teams, the American males have just cut a terrible promo about the four horsemen. Yeah, I was going to say, Dean, do you know how at first they were kind of trying to be like your typical 1980s, good-looking, baby-faced tag team? The, there, was des- there was definitely like a, an attempt there to try and turn them more into, you know, in the mid nineties you were starting to get more of these like these edgy pop boy bands. They were trying yeah. to be like that, and it just wasn't working. Worked about as well as the Booty Man gimmick did. Well, here comes Disco Inferno. The glitter ball has descended from the ceiling. That's right. His balls have dropped. See, now, on Nitro, he entertains us, and he's just taken the mic, so he should entertain a bit more. But the problem is, is our next pay-per-view, he's going to be challenging for the Cruiserweight title, if you remember our Bash at the Beach review. Oh, yes. And that wasn't a fun watch. It wasn't a terrible match, but it just was not good or enjoyable or redeeming. 
It just, yeah, it didn't feel like it was in the right place. Square peg, round hole. Absolutely. Yep. Now, who's this oh, coming out? I don't recognise that music. Someone, no. I was going to say, someone's entrance music. That's the AM. It's the entrance music of Joe Gomez. The only person who did know was uh, Tony Schiavone. Mm. Ah. Oh, of course, because he actually wrestled on the pay-per-view as well. So we are now did officially he? in the Joe oh, Gomez cup Michael. of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Obviously, not... uh, he now plays in the back four for England, doesn't he? Oh, absolutely. One of Charlton's finest products. Oh, Abs- is he from Charlton? Oh, absolutely. I didn't know that. I for our on... uh, American friends who may not know what the hell we're talking about, there is a, an England international footballer called Joe Gomez. I was the uh, match commentator 10 years ago when he made his debut for the Charlton under-18 squad. Aged 14. That's how good he was. Wow. Wow, that is something. Uh, yeah, thinking about the singles matches these two guys were involved in at the next pay-per-view chronologically, Bash at the Beach 96, yeah. it just hammers home that that pay-per-view, while is an incredible pay-per-view and one of the higher points for the company... It wasn't all roses, was it? Very true, yeah. I mean, I suppose, yeah, they they did have the main event, six-man tag, packed with top-level talent. So, I guess, you know, they had to mm. fill the rest of the card out a bit more than they normally would. Oh, and how long did we discuss that main event on that? That's the longest episode we've ever done, and with good reason. I mean, Just partly so because Robert Nickel was involved. He oh, he never shuts up, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but also, yeah, as you say, such a monumental uh, pay-per-view. There was, it was the right time to employ a chatterbox because there was so much to talk yes. about. There was no dead air. There was no repetition or rambling. It was all great discourse. One of our best episodes, that one. One of the best pay-per-views. Well, yeah, one of, one of the most iconic shows in, in modern wrestling history. Mm. And yeah, wherever you get your podcast from, it's well worth going back and finding that one. I'll try and find the uh, episode number for you in a second. But yeah, the Great America, sorry, the Bash at the Beach 96. Yeah, so, and if it helps, if you uh, if you look at our webpage, because www.podbean.com, we have the side menu with the months and the years. This one would have been August or September 2020. I want to say August 2020, because it was, I think it was shortly before we celebrated the anniversary of Nitro with Nitro Week, wasn't it? Yeah, spot on. Yep, yeah, it was. Uh, it was um, August the twenty second. We recorded that, and uh, I can tell you, Liam, that it was. Uh, it was episode number sixty nine. Nice. Oh, if if that was the episode where for three hours I was saying nice to every mention of sixty nine, that's probably why Rob's not returning any of my phone calls or tweets. Yeah, probably. That's what did it. But, but, you know, it has to be done. It has to be done. It's 69. This match is still going on, by the way. Yeah. And it, something else just dawned to me. One, These two guys will be getting a big feature slot above their usual pay grade in a singles match on the pay-per-view. But here tonight, one of these guys is presumably going to lose. 
Yeah, and I'd imagine it'll be Joe Gomez. Who's debuting, they said, didn't they? Yeah. With a little bit... Because not, he was not meant t- to debut last week, yes. Yeah, not tons of fanfare, but a little bit of fanfare. Oh. There we go. No, Joe Gomez wins. See, I said, I thought that, that Disco would win. If he's getting a cruiserweight shot in the next pay-per-view, then you'd think he'd be uh, he'd be winning. But, but then I remembered that this is WCW. Yeah, that just fur- further makes that choice of match extra baffling, doesn't it? The fact that they've yes. just had him lose like a, a freakish thing. He's, he's still celebrating in the ring because, in his words, at least his hair is still in place. There's your cruiserweight challenger, everyone. Mm-hmm. And we've got the uh, American males against Arn and Benoit, but we've now got woman right next to Mean Gene, and she's already stroking his face. She didn't waste any time. Her hands were on him as soon as we came into the scene. Yep. And uh, Deborah McMichael is now joining them. So Flair's harem has grown to three. Mean Gene Oakland said he's never been disappointed in anyone more than he is in Deborah for her actions. Shall we fast forward him a month now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just a bad time for Mean Gene. Hmm. Flair's very happy he's got all the girls with him. They're in such a good mood that even Miss Elizabeth is cracking a little bit of emotion. Yeah. Oh, Flair has gone full Flair. There's got to be a banquet table. (laughs) Flair Flair is is definitely (laughs) full Flair. He's saying that the... The uh, the hand of Michael with the Super Bowl winner's ring now goes like this, and he's thrown up the Four Horsemen's sign. Honestly, Dean, I'm contemplating an alternative reality where there is no New World Order angle and none of that greatness. But in return, we get full flair every week until he's no longer able to show up for TV. <laughs> I, 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 it's tough. It's It's a photo finish, but... I'm not sure which one I'd pick. I mean, we've got we've got a few more weeks of Ric Flair shithousery, and then I guess yeah, everyone, everyone in WCW that isn't NWO for in a way turns babyface, I guess, really, yeah. don't they? We can always They're fast bad. forward three years to when he's in the asylum. That was good stuff. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, I, yeah, we're we're talking about this as the post pay per view Nitro, but. Fast forward a month, and we're going to have probably one of the great, the greatest or most awkward and uncomfortable post-pay-per-view nitros ever. Yeah, if I remember, uh, don't quote me on this, but if I remember correctly, the immediate post-Bash at the Beach one wasn't actually that great. It was just a load of "I'm disappointed in Poochie interviews. Yeah, um, but think, then we I get to the invasion the, one. Um, it was at Disney, wasn't it? Yeah. When we get to the actual hostile takeover one, the lawn dart one, I think that's where things pick up, if I remember correctly. Benoit so here we the go. bruises. You see those bruises on his face. Yeah. He's in the Fool's Count Anywhere brawl with Sullivan. 
And that's now, a... my question is, is that legit bruising or have WCW done the old employee of getting a Turner TV makeup lady on to put some bruises on them? It's hard to tell because Benoit never shied away from taking far too much genuine contact than he should have. Which, yes. are, which of course is was one of the part factors in how things turned out in 2007, unfortunately. Um, but it's hard to imagine a situation where he would have maybe slamming against the uh, the bathroom stall doors. Could yeah, have done that maybe. Yeah. That's and, the one. That's the time that I I think was most likely. Yeah. And does bruising show up in a day? Normally takes a couple of days to fully colour, doesn't it? Ah, oh, us getting forensic. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't say uh, I'm, I'm all that sure, but we've got the American males in the ring, and they are basically going full, full babyface, but no one's cheering them because they're against the Horsemen. They're trying. There's a slight change to their look and their mannerisms, where they are the baby faces, but they're trying to be edgy. This was obviously like a. I think this was a pop culture thing of the times, but I think the biggest problem that the American males faced was that the tag team absolutely sucked. <laughs> and and Bagwell would go on to do better things and. By and large, everyone regards Scotty Riggs as a very nice guy. But this was just a cringe team. Well, it was it was outdated. This was a team that 10 years ago would have been legitimate, <clears throat> legitimate top-ranking babyface tag team. But in 1996, the world has changed and things have moved on and people don't want to see this sort of thing anymore. Yeah, um... Arn started with a cheap shot and got a pop from the crowd, just to hammer home what you were saying earlier. Yeah. And so, the, uh, sorry, you go. I was just going to say the males are making a big deal of repeatedly waving the four fingers, only upside down, and it's not as cool as they think it is. Yeah, it's okay the first time, but... So I I wonder if this is going to be like a a TV match length of, you know, five, six minutes, or if if they're going to be given a bit more time. I mean, for all we were saying about the American Males Act, they could certainly work a 10 to 12 minute match against the Horsemen, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're going to struggle with the crowd here. You can hear the crowd, can't you? Yeah. I mean, that that punch to the stomach of Riggs got a bigger, much bigger pop than Riggs's dropkick on Anderson. Bagwell tags in, goes up top. But yeah, they're, they're doing it. They're doing it to very little reaction. Yes, uh on paper it might have seemed better than in reality this pairing but hopefully we get a good enjoyable tag match out of it and we've seen if you cast your mind back we've seen either Bagwell and Riggs or just Bagwell in singles matches against Flair at the very least where yeah Bagwell and Flair we've had yeah 
and it was pretty decent. So maybe that's the thinking is there's a bit of familiarity, a good setup, but I don't think the crowd are going to play along. Okay, so Benoit is now taking over on Bagwell. Oh, I say that, but Bagwell reversed and moved nicely into an arm drag. There's even little little heel mannerisms from Bagwell even now. You can see why six months later they went the way they did. What mannerisms do you see there? I didn't spot that myself, but... Uh, just uh, when something went his way, he let out like a little self-congratulatory laugh, sort of thing you'd hear from a... Oh, okay. You know, we just had Arn Anson really early on, like posing on the outside and bragging and doing yeah. that stuff, which is funny when someone's about to get smacked in the mouth as a heel. But, yeah, maybe maybe he's, uh, at this point, he may well have already been lobbying for a heel turn. You never know. Yeah. He got his way six do, uh... months later. Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye out now. Goes to that fisherman suplex, but Benoit knows what's coming and breaks it up. I mean, it's worth noting that at this stage, I think he's Buff Bagwell, well, Marcus Bagwell at this stage, is closing in on the fifth anniversary of his debut. And for that whole period, he was the generic, smiling, good-looking babyface. So it's understandable if he like the person behind the character really is starting to think I'm getting a little sick of this role. Yeah. But look at this crowd. Reacting the most they've reacted to is Benoit stomping the shit out of Bagwell in the corner. I can't recall where this episode is set and I don't care because wherever it is, it's his horseman country. Um, they did tell us at the beginning, I think it was Richmond, Virginia. Horseman country. Yes. And he's going for your favourite move, the diving headbutt. Well, that was one of the rare diving headbutts that actually looked like it would do damage to the opponent in kayfabe. Because he made head-to-head connection there. But otherwise, yeah, you've heard my arguments for it. And Arn's getting yep. huge pops. It's a simple clothesline. And he's, Arn's going for it. Yeah, he's milking it. But Bagwell manages to make the tag to Riggs. Riggs comes in, Benoit goes down, and the crowd is almost like the, someone's just pressed the mute button on the crowd. Although you, I'm picking up those screams. There are screams in favour of the of the males yeah. having things go their way. Uh, what was, we've had matches throughout wrestling that really split the demographic in the crowd, don't we? Yeah, John Cena matches, especially. The, I was just about to say, mm. yeah, that's what I'd call the Cena factor. <laughs> oh, and in the midst of cheap... I've got to say, though, that match was breathless. No resting, mm. all action. No. Wouldn't cut the mustard on a pay-per-view, but a fun TV match, and it kept us talking. Oh, wow. Mm. As I spot at least two kids in uh, in the front row in Hogan shirts. Macho Man's reinstated, Dean. But is he still crazy? He'll always be crazy. <laughs> Especially while uh, Ric Flair and Cara spending his money, Liam. I love that 
suplex over the uh, over the ropes, hanging you by your guts. Oh, and I've just noticed there, Anderson holds on to uh, holds on to the heel and the ankle of uh, Scotty Riggs just to hold him in position. It's uh, just a beautiful little touch. Yeah. I've because never we only spotted that on the replay. We didn't even notice at first. Brilliant. Yeah, me too. I love uh, stuff like that. And I've never seen that suplex onto the rope shoes as a finish before, ever. No, I mean, that's a move that Rollable Rocco would use a lot in um, in Britain and, and I presume in Japan as well. But it would be, um, it wouldn't be the end of the match. It, it, it would be a, a setup or maybe like the first fall of, of two. Because obviously, you know, UK matches would be chapter three falls. Same with Benoit. He, I believe, he pr- pretty much directly t- took it out. It was his inspiration, and yeah, it's a it's a middle of the match move. Mm. So it's an Arn Anderson promo. Arn is hyped up, fired up for this one. This he's lampshading the crowd as well, openly referencing the uh, the fact that they're getting the pops. Yeah. Lampshading the crowd. Yes. Sticking a lampshade on it. Working with it. Oh, I see. I've not heard that one before. Hmm. Okay, Mean Gene turns to uh, Benoit now. Let's see how his promo skills are getting along. So they're, they're referencing Sullivan and the Dungeon of Doom because obviously, as we yep. mentioned on that episode, the pay-per-view episode, the whole thing was was that Benoit's stepped into Pillman's role, but Arn Anson's given him the, the the space and the chance to prove himself as a worthy horseman. And when he did, and he won that match clean as a whistle, that's when Arn Anson came and they put the boots to, to Sullivan and the Dungeon of Doom. Yep, to a massive pop. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the guy who's three fingers short. Watch it there, pal. Who's he talking to there? Well, they're they're flashing the four horsemen sign, and apparently someone was doing it minus three fingers to them. Oh, what a member of the crowd. Yeah. Ah, oh, I'm with you. That was a great reaction from Gene. Oh, Mean Gene's reactions are great. It's the great John Tenter coming. I wonder if he'll be facing Big Bubba Rogers for the 70th time. Oh, the music tells me he will be. So that leaves one other question, Dean. Will yep. Big Bubba have another magic bag of hair? Because he has well, magically produced more loose hair every week that is allegedly John Tenter's. But I have to say, Dean, at this juncture, I'm starting to doubt that. He's he's struggling to find the pocket for his jackets for his shades in. So, I could doubt this it. be? Could it be that he's finally run out of John Tenter's alleged hair I to throw around have. the ring? Oh my days! This is this is a landmark episode. Although he did lose a bit of his beard himself, didn't yes, he? Yes, he looks sad because he's just put his hand on his chin and realised his beard is short. It's right up there with a with a heel pointing to his brain for showing us what what is on his mind. So here comes John Tenter, half hair, half his hair long, half his hair short. No entrance music. 
but, his uh, mishmash wrestling gear. But after that pay-per-view match, he's got a smile on his face for the first time because he has dished out a bit of revenge. But Dean, this feud must continue. It must. I don't know how it's going to end, but it's carrying on anyway. You do know how it's going to end because we covered Bash at the Beach. Of course, the uh, Carlson City Silver Dollar match. And I don't care who knows it, I like that match more than most people probably did. Didn't that have like 50-year-old, 60-year-old Jimmy Hart climbing the 10-foot pole or something. It did, and that's exactly why everyone should instantly love that match. But there was more to it. Yes. If you check back that episode, Bash at the Beach, uh, Dino time-stamped what it earlier. What episode number was it? 69. Nice. <laughs> are you, are you from Tenta. Are you stealing my gimmick, Dean? Yep. Fair enough. Just checking. John Tenta's just a drop kick. Yeah, he's been known to dust on her, and so has his opponent, actually. Capable Ooh. of a big man drop kick. Anyway, this match is so important that Tony Schiavone is talking about Steve McMichael. Yeah, uh, this is this is the the essence of a lower card feud, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Some good old-fashioned trash talk in the corner. Up to the camera, very nice. Oh, there's. <laughs> See, this this is the kind of thing as well where, when we talk about you know the value of experienced old pros, notice how everything they're doing is working around the TV cameras. Yes, they know exactly exactly how to work TV. And that is the experience they do admittedly bring over from the other company. Obviously, yes. a- any non-WWE company that overuses that is going to find some problems with it. But yeah, you do want TV-ready guys. That being said, I, d- I don't even think this is necessarily a skill that we see with a lot of current WWE wrestlers. Mostly because the training, I, I believe, has-, has shifted a little bit. Like, for in my opinion, there's far too much hard cam reliance, for instance. Like, they're taught, they're taught such a, to use a, a soccer term, Dean, they're taught such a route one way of working the TV cameras with WWE because, as you know, the WWE have to do it in an exact certain uh, oh. homogenized way that I don't think they pick up the skills that some of these older pros did when they got to sh- use a little bit more of their individuality and, and some of them went through various different eras because obviously back in the 80s and especially early 90s, Vince McMahon felt the need to change things up more because the business necessitated it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, they, you know, they are they are taught nowadays, you know, you... Which, is, I mean, I was going to say it's they're taught nowadays, but it's something that if you notice the pros even in this era would do, which is like when you when you hit your finish, when you hit your fi- or, or your big move, you're making sure you're facing the hard cam. Um, but I think it's definitely more emphasized with like uh, the thing that I I notice it's emphasized more in nowadays is is the entrances, the the poses that they do, the poses are to Absolutely. the hard cam. 
the poses used to be to the crowd, they're now to the hard cam. And it makes sense because, yeah, you've got a few thousand people in the venue and you've got millions watching on, on the TV. But I do think, you know, as we have seen from this, with with like the live reaction the horsemen got, the, the, the reaction of the live crowd can really can, can influence the, the reactions of the TV crowd. But I, but I find with all these things, Dean, there's, there's the cake and then there's the icing. And throughout the years, there have been millions of different types of icing, but there's a reason why the cake is almost always the same. Yes. The, the fundamentals, fair enough. They, you, you need to stick to those because they're what works, but you need those different coatings, those icings, otherwise everything's the same and everything's dull. He wants a second power slam. He's, he's, he's absolutely squashed him with a power slam. He's done a second one and he's baby-faced John Tenter put his foot, feet on the ropes. He did. But it's the wronged baby-face taking a bit of heel tactics on the heel. But he already got some revenge at the pay-per-view. He's just beating him again. Cheated unnecessarily to do so, given that he hit his finishing power slam twice. And it did the trick once before. And they're building up to a match at the pay-per-view. And here comes the assault with the silver dollars. Oh, that one was right. Did you see that? Yes, right in the middle, right on the forehead. And on the, and on the side of the head. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm hoping it's something soft in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can hear it's something soft. Oh, oh man, it's a full pill. <laughs> It did not sound like coins. There's the we coins. We have got coins in there. There's something else <laughs> in there that he was hitting him with. He's held on to. Larry Zabisco just asked if, if that's more of Randy Savage's alimony. <laughs> but yeah, if they're going to carry this thing on, it seems really weird that A, they'd run the match again here, and B, that they'd have John Tenter win twice in two nights. So no wonder this this whole feud felt like it dragged on. But thankfully, yeah, I still really like the Bash of the Beach match. Apart from the fact they're trying to get two 350, 400 pound men climbing a pole. Ah, they, they booked around that. As you said, Jimmy Hart was the MVP. But if you remember, there were so many little things about them. Like everything paid off. It was actually really good... Uh, babyface comeuppance but that's all undone by the fact that you're watching John Tenter beat him handily every week and cheat for no reason strange so Mean Gene was supposed to talk to John Tenter but he's obviously incapacitated and Big Bubba is now going to be talking instead yeah, John Tenter took the money, but not like Mongo McMichael. Yeah. <laughs> uh, calls him the big fat beached whale. <laughs> you got to admit, Bubba, Big Bubba, Ray Trailer is a good promo. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
just just a big angry motor mouthed hillbilly. <laughs> Underrated. Mm. <laughs> well, at least at least he was kind enough to plug the pay per view replay. Yeah, he's going to be watching the replay apparently. Even though he lost. Yeah. Oh, the Macho Man is back to the ring, then. I, I heard he'd been reinstated, but rumour has it he's still crazy. See, can you back that up with any sort of evidence? The look in his eyes? Oh, we're about to find out. Oh, here we go. The uh, cocaine-induced into cocaine, yeah, cocaine-fueled interview that we're about to hear. I thought you, when you said cocaine-fueled, I thought you were referring to that jacket. Oh, there is that, yeah. So, obviously, Savage is always crazy, but now he's uh, hell-bent on revenge after getting stitched up by the the all-new rendition of the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Also, can I just point out that if you look behind Mean Gene, there looks to be like a towel or something hanging over a locker, and on that towel is the Hulkamania logo. Per the contract, that he has to be in every room. There's a Hulkster t-shirt lower down as well. Yeah, I've just seen that. That is incredible. So even when he's not on the show, they have to have his merchandise hanging backstage so that you you remember him. Oh, Dean, I, I know we've that all been astounding. through. Yeah, I know we've all been through some rough stuff thanks to lockdown, and we've all had some you know some mentally challenging times. But I think it's worth remembering that whatever any of us went through, it, at least we didn't go through the severity of Hulk Hogan's midlife crisis. Oh, because God. how that, insecure yeah. must he have been around this time? Very. <laughs> Well, at least he's allowed back in the building. Yeah. When he was uh, being stopped from entering the building by indie security. <laughs> yeah, it's fun watching him threaten that typical lawyer type in a suit. Do you remember that? Oh, God, yes. I can't remember his name now, but he was a he was a legit WCW legal bloke. That wouldn't surprise me because he was book. terrible. <laughs> yes, that's that's why he was terrible. They Hire an actor actually, for crying out loud. Yeah. yeah, no, they decided we will get the real life legal attorney and get him to cut a promo and then wonder why it's awful. That being said, it can work that mentality because I'm, uh, unless I'm mistaken on this, with the current episodes of AEW Dynamite, You've got um, the, what's his, Alex something, who's the Spanish commentator, who has uh, who has done some translating and some interpreting oh, for, for Penta. Penta. Yeah. And actually turns out he's pretty good with a smirk on his face. Yeah, he was great. He's been great in that. And they've kept him doing it because at this rate, we're going to have works. Penta says as a catchphrase, aren't we? Yeah. Oh. He's chasing <laughs> Heenan away. So yeah, so Shivani and um, and Zabisco obviously taken two hours because of uh, the Bischoff injury. But yes, Heenan has come to do the second hour, and Savage. Well, if here's the proof he's crazy. Savage is um is oh, going wow. after him, and Heenan's just done one of his leaps over the top rope. You've still got it. That's amazing. 
Well, he was complicit at the pay-per-view. <laughs> um, that could be one way of excusing why we're actually going to have a regular two-man commentary team throughout this telecast. But are you ready for another edition of Macho versus Flair? Part 467, I want to say, just of this oh, podcast I can, alone. I can never get bored of Macho v. Flair, especially if the banquet table's there. That's true. Although I'll happily omit Starcade 95 from my memory forever. Oh, yeah. With the, the Phantom Blade, um, the, uh, what do you call it? The Rogue, the Rogue Blade job. Yeah. Just, what was it, like a five-minute rush job? Absolute clusterfuck. Knowing what these two guys can put together blindfolded in 15 minutes. Yeah. But Ric Flair's uh, entourage is just growing more and more formidable. Now he's got Deborah, Liz, and Woman. Woman looks a little uncomfortable. I think it's because she's gone several minutes without cheating in a match. Yeah, mean green sack machine in the ring. Now, was that... Was that Kevin Green's T-shirt when he? Yeah, I think there's definitely a bit of a. Oh, there's the banquet table. The banquet table is confirmed. This is automatically the greatest nitro of all time, tied with any other episode that features the banquet table. Well, what's Flair saying? He's saying to to woman, don't get in the ring just yet. I'm just wondering, do you... Where's he going? Dean, do you, out of interest, do you think the uh, podcast is settled in its current location? Or I'll let Ric Flair speak first, and then we'll take care of podcast business. Here, here comes some classic Flair taunting, I think. Shithousery alert. Yep. It's going to be Sergio Busquets level, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Pepe stamping on someone's head levels of shithousery. Ah, uh, so yeah. he's experiencing agony, defeat, and divorce <laughs> as he kisses Elizabeth's hand. <laughs> That's it. Poke the Luke mean dog with in... a sharp stick. <laughs> yeah. Look who's in. Richmond with all the girls and then immediately turns to someone in the crowd, you shut your mouth, punk. I know. It's not a proper Flair promo without someone being called Fat Boy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Savage's Savage ready. promo is simply that he's going to kick his ass. <laughs> he's trying to hide behind oh, the girls. Flair's running in his robe. <laughs> And the match has begun on the outside. They're both still fully clothed. Is. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I just love people getting beaten up while still in their entrance attire. There's this something is about it that's great. This is like watching two a kid making two action figures wrestle with their full attire on. He's begging in his robe. <laughs> his robe still. I think Savage was waiting for him to take the back Flair also shoved the referee out of the way for no reason. Yeah, there's the backdrop. <laughs> yeah, there's woman screaming. 
absolutely screaming like he's being attacked by a bear or something. We are running through the checklist in record time. We are. We're going to take a commercial break, apparently. We haven't had women cheating yet. Oh, I'm sure it'll come. So, while we're having the little downspell with the ad break, this is my chance to ask you, Dean. Do you think that because WCW Podcast is settled in its current location, do you think it's happy? In its current location? Yeah, I'm starting to wonder whether or not it would fancy moving its official location on Twitter from WCW Special Forces to Ric Flair's banquet table. Oh, yes. <laughs> it seems to be more like our spiritual home. Definitely. No, I am I am absolutely fully on board with that. Uh, Even though the banquet table probably has only got a little while left to go. Oh, it's he's about to get the rub. Face first. <laughs> Have some pineapple flair. <laughs> pineapple. Does it belong on pizza? He's Does actu- it belong on Ric Flair's face? <laughs> He's actually force feeding him. <laughs> is his is his plan to fill him up so he gets cramp and he can't win the match? <laughs> yes. Oh, he's getting the bottle of champagne. D- did you did you hear that? What? Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone said a little bit of the bubbly exactly like that. Well, oh wow! I, I think I think we've uh, we've got to make mention of that. That's definitely we have we have found what Chris Jericho was watching the night before he won the title. Yep. <laughs> He's flaring the that, ring. That's a, uh, that's definitely a clip a clip to be putting on uh, on um, Twitter. Oh yes. If we if we can work out how to make it into a little uh, a little clip or something. Uh, we'll, we'll find a way. But Flair is now wrestling, completely drenched in champagne. Yeah. This reminds me of those sort of 30, 45 minute pay-per-view main event matches he'd have in the 80s. Where, yeah, he'd be his hair would be wringing wet with sweat or blood or green mist or a combination of all three. I was going to say, did he wrestle those matches in the 80s covered in champagne? Jack Daniels, maybe. Not, yeah, I was going to say, not quite, but uh, almost. No, there's there's that legendary promo I remember. And I can't remember, well, I, I can't remember if it was after, straight after Halloween Havoc 89 or if it was straight after Bash 89 and it was setting up for Havoc. But he basically had, half his head was red with blood, half his head was green from Mutar's Mist. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the promo is like red from Muta, no green, green from Muta, red from Funk, and so he was the Portuguese Savage. flag. Yes, Savage went up top and just missed, and he's now getting really pissed off with all these fans getting in his way. <laughs> so they just can't help themselves, can they? They have to put a hand on him. Look at look at me, I'm touching the bicep of Randy Savage. Why? This prick in the American football jersey is really annoying. Well, it's not a Philadelphia Eagles jersey, so you're right. He is a prick. 
I don't know what team it would be. I'm not as as we have established. I'm not up on my NFL. Heenan is in the commentary booth, by the way. He's made it. Oh, it's it's Shivani and Heenan. So Zabisco has gone home. Oh, we got the traditional no selling of the Ric Flair chops. Another one for the checklist. He hasn't. Um, he hasn't gone up top and got caught yet, has he? Yeah, I, I'm starting to lose count of the amount of times we've referred to these two and a couple of other different wrestlers having what we've referred to as a greatest hits match on Nitro. Oh wow, that was oh. cool. Well, that was different. Flair went up top and kind of leapt over Savage <clears throat> rather than getting slammed. Yeah, he, he went up with full elevation for that axe handle and Savage just kind of ran under him and, and like grabbed his legs so that he took a tumble. That could have gone quite dangerously. Ooh. So I'm still wondering if Bischoff said that they could find out because they just were talking about Eric Bischoff there. If, if Bischoff said that they could find out the the three people on the WCW team tonight, I wonder if they're still going to go ahead with that. Well, from covering the Bash at the Beach pay-per-view last year, I remember there being something about uh, them doing a lottery draw, which is just the dumbest idea in the world, given that, A, you wouldn't want to leave such a big match down to a lottery draw, and... What are the chances it ends up being their free best anyway? That's a foreign yeah. object by Flair to Savage. Yeah. Instead of pinning him, he struts. <laughs> Elbow to the uh, chin, to the throat. And Savage kicks out because Flair took too long. Another shoving match with the official. <laughs> And, and there goes the, the referee. referee is down, yeah. Savage charged him from behind. Flair went into the ref. The ref's gone out of the ring. Flair's just been low-blowed by Savage. Always in position. There's no ref. Mm-hmm. He'll still make the cover, though, because... That's what babyfaces do. Every single wrestler, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, he's going for a second elbow. Oh, here comes woman. And Elizabeth, we have a human shield made up of Ric Flair's harem. Is he going to go for it anyway to get them to run out of the way? Yes, he is. Savage just does the elbow in any case, and the three women just scatter. Oh, and Benoit's in the ring now. Oh, Benoit took a pole driver. Nah, Savage is crazy. Savage is taking the horseman on on his own. And I can see in the background that Michael's coming in with his Halliburton case. Oh, right to the head. And this match is apparently still going on because he's put Flair on top. Yep, and the ref's being shoved into the ring. And the Horsemen have collectively beaten Randy Savage for the second night running. Well, Dane, it was nothing we haven't seen a million times before. 
it was full of just about every every hijinks and shortcut known to man, but it was entertaining. And here comes the horseman beatdown. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that, as you said, the, the selection in the WCW team isn't a lottery, because that, well, in a way I'm hoping it isn't, and in a way I'm hoping it is because WCW. That would be just a classic moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's like Gareth Southgate picking the England team through lottery. Yeah, they're replaying the second elbow, the pole driver to Benoit. He, he went on the rampage three on one, but then the fourth yeah. one had a Halliburton briefcase. Had a case, yeah. I tell you what, that second elbow on Flair really did land. I mean, mm. quite often those el- big elbows don't land too well, but that was really like... Speaking of landing, check out this second yeah. shot. Boom. Boom. <laughs> yeah. That'll knock the crazy wow. out of him. We didn't know about concussions like we do now. How are we to know that taking shots to the head with metal objects could be bad for you? Yeah, what are we, psychic? Yeah. Maybe after taking all those shots to the head. So uh, Sullivan is uh, being interviewed by Mean Gene, along with Jimmy Hart and the Giant, and Sullivan has also got bruising around his face. And to be fair, if you want to make the Giant look big, stand him next to Kevin Sullivan, Jimmy Hart, and Mean Gene. Yeah. Well, it really puts the Giant over. Jimmy Hart's telling Sullivan, I told you so about the horseman. Yep. Unfortunately, Sullivan's not dressed as a granny for this promo. No. Uh, Even Sullivan's promo mentions Hogan, saying he'll be back and he'll be after the dungeon. Yes, because, you know, Hogan really needs to get some revenge after trouncing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, that just doesn't make any sense. Why he'd want to, what he hasn't got any business left with the Dungeon of Doom, has he? Apart, I suppose, apart from the fact that the Giants got the got the world title belt. Yeah, S- Sullivan's complaining about the fact that he, you know, he Arn Anderson was the few he respected, forgetting the whole thing that the Dungeon and the Horseman had fallen out about. 10,000 times already. You remember yeah, that match? Yeah. That grudge match they had on Nitro where Paul Warndorf attacked Arn yep. because of that attack. Oh, my head's spinning. Uh, here comes a giant because I think I think Sullivan was getting a bit Jake Roberts esque with that promo. So here's the giant. About, yeah, about pain and pleasure. Obviously, we're we're now about to go into that whole narrative. You remember the Bash at the Beach match, won't you, with the Dungeon the Horseman? The whole point being that the Giant is... He's the game changer. Yeah. It's Horseman over Dungeon. Yeah, it's a tag match, wasn't it? Horseman over Dungeon all day long, but when the Giant's in there, it's a different ball game. And that's exactly what unfolded, wasn't it? Yes. 
So, uh, yeah, he's laying out the challenge now. He wants all the horsemen possible. Oh, Randy Savage just tried that. <laughs> yes. He's now uh, quoting Humpty Dumpty by the sound of it. Oh. Giant versus Scott Steiner, but Scott Steiner was Ooh. attacked by Harlem Heat earlier. Well, he wasn't really attacked by Harlem Heat. He just decided to lay out, lay on top of his brother and get in the way of a of a splash or a leg drop. Gene just referenced the the, the three guys who will be facing the outsiders, and Sullivan says he doesn't care. So there's going to be something on that later, Dean. It, it would appear. Hey. Can't they just let that feud stop? Do you know what won't stop? What's Glacier that? promos. Glacier promos continue. This this must be the second month of the Blood Runs Cold Glacier promos. Yeah, he's a little bit more of a peak of him in this promo, but it's still yeah. very much the Mortal Kombat ripoff that we've come to know and love. Yeah, well, um, our uh, our good friend Paul Benson over at Hooked on Wrestling, his Howlmania podcast, they uh, had a first ever podcast interview with Brian Clark, who was of course uh, Wrath in uh, Blood Runs Cold, and he he talks about that gimmick briefly during that podcast. Well worth a listen to. And yet they didn't even have the decency to send Brian Clark our way. Uh, we we, could, we'd uh, have him we over could... here, wouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. He, uh, he he was saying he much preferred his time in WCW to WWF because he, if he had any queries or anything, he was able to talk to Eric Bischoff. He couldn't really talk to Vince McMahon. Yeah, well, it's nice to be able to actually communicate with your bosses who are in charge of your career. Yeah. Call us old fashioned, but so we just got uh, some still shots of the aftermath of the attack on Eric Bischoff, mm. and uh, and then we're going into um, we're going into the recap of the Horsemen against the NFL footballers match. Yeah, so we we had the moment where the, uh, the footballers' wives left, and so did the horseman valets. But then when they came back, it was Deborah by the side of Liz and Woman, with the infamous that, briefcase. Yeah, and that sort of salmon pink evening gown that she's wearing tonight. You fan of salmon pink, Dean? I'm, I'm more a fan of salmon, I have to say. Smoked, seared. I either. I'm not fussy. Hot smoked salmon. That's good. Had a, a bit uh, of good old fashioned well, uh, flaky John West uh, salmon. Nice. <laughs> now we've got the uh, the recap of the horseman kick, quite literally kicking the shit out of Kevin Kevin Sullivan again to a having... big pop that night. Massive pop. I know I said it already, but I'll say it again. Massive pop. The Horsemen really should have been their front line in the fight back against the NWO. That was such a missed opportunity, wasn't it? 
right up there with DDP's face turn and the transformation of Sting and Luger and Giant fighting week in, week out. They should have been right there. Yeah, but... Ah, uh, did they... Did they well, I mean, no, I was going to say, were they worried that, that they'd get cheered too much? But fuck it, they're baby faces. They're meant to be getting cheered. Yeah. And and the whole beauty of that turn in the storyline is that you get to that point where the, the takeover actually becomes successful and they've got Bischoff and everyone's joining their ranks and they have become the organisation. And that's the point at which you have guys like Sting and DDP doing what the Outsiders did at first in the summer. It's a role reversal. It's comeuppance. Yeah. Horseman attack, and, and, breaking yeah, Six's who, arm in the car park. That would have gone down a tree. Yeah, and and who who is more WCW than the Four Horsemen? Exactly. Imagine if they do a, a proper heel beatdown on, on just even, not even someone as high as Six, but like Scott Norton or someone, you know, or Vincent, and they give him a proper Horseman violent yeah. beatdown, but they're doing it to the bad guys. Yeah. Now we've got we've got Rey Mysterio being interviewed by Mean Gene. Let's see if Mean Gene needs to guide him through anything, because Rey is not a great promo at this stage. He was pretty confident with a paragraph in English, and he's followed up with a bit of Spanish. They kept yeah. it short and sweet. He's the thing is, is I always say this about um with 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 Mike skills in wrestling. I think there's definitely a distinction between. Being a good talker and having mic skills, there are a lot of people who are confident talkers who can put forth a point that is close enough to home, such as I want to win the title or I want to kick that guy's ass. But then you've got guys who can take any gimmick, any character, any line, any situation and convey it in a larger-than-life ma- manner. And when pe- when some wrestlers get put down as being not good on the mic, I think it's a bit rough because you look at guys like AJ Styles who carried that stigma for ages. It turns out that if you if you let him just speak confidently about something that makes a lick of sense, he's actually very good at talking in public. But then if you try and give him this convoluted script in which he has to say about how he doesn't like Dixie Carter or or why he's why he's helping this random woman hired by Universal Studios. You know, TNA fans listening will understand both of those references. Yes. Uh, the promos are abysmal because he's not comfortable enough to take lead and turn it into a diamond. Yeah. So here we go with the rematch we've been looking forward to, Dean. Yeah, so the the pay-per-view match was about 16, 17 minutes long. Let's see how long this one goes. I just heard something, Dean, that has helped make a lot of sense of the Bash at the Beach team situation where we said about, do they just pick the the right guys? We heard at the Bash at the Beach about a lottery. Shivani just referenced that they're going to do a lottery with the top six wrestlers, one loss. And it's going to be three ah. from six. So maybe it is a little bit of both. Which makes a bit more sense. That makes more sense, yeah. 
and then you see if you think about like what AEW do with with the win loss records, suddenly yeah, has they gravitas, then, yeah. Yeah, because they, you know, where they have their rankings and the rankings are based on the win loss records. So, you know, if something happened like that, they could then use those records to to choose the team, which is why I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Obviously, things like the manipulating one loss records and top 10 rankings, I can understand why a lot of companies don't do it because. You yeah. have to you have to really micromanage your your booking. You don't give yourself a lot of wriggle room, do you? Definitely not, no. And you don't really want to put yourself in a position. Where you don't want to say, right, I want to be able to just make stuff up as I go along, but you also want to make it so that you have options at all times. Yeah, especially as with with booking, you you have to be fluid because, especially in independent wrestling, things change. You know, people leave the company. People get contracted by others. People get injured. People stop working for you for whatever reason. There's so many reasons. Yeah, you've got to be fluid. But anyway, back in the ring, um, we had a very nice uh, Asai moonsault on the inside um, by Mysterio that got a good pop because that's not a move that I've seen often. And and he took a great bump off a clothesline. I was going to say, after all that acrobatics... Milenko responds with what I can only describe as swatting him with a clothesline. I've not really seen one front like that, but he swatted him like a fly with his extended arm, didn't he? Yeah. Catch. Yeah, it was great. You know, Ab Milenko always had that tendency to to do things that looked painful in the ring, but he did it with this casual credence about him, didn't he? He always looked so casual in doing it, like it's second nature. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the great thing with Milenko. Everything um, everything he did just looked so fluid and so easy. He looks like someone who's born to do this. Mm. He's a, yeah. He is a professional people hurter. Yeah. I had um, someone, um, one of the, uh, the regular players on the Hooked on Wrestling Sunday Night Quiz contacted me on Twitter the other week and was asking um, for, some, uh, for a project he was doing of some sort. He, he was asking for some sting matches, but not like the obvious sting matches. I wonder um, what you suggested. <laughs> so, of course, yeah. Of course, I said to him, check out Sting v. Dean Milenko on Nitro. We absolutely loved it. Mm. Oh, if you, if and you... I also mentioned on the quiz about our uh, our one minute match challenge. If anyone will oh, ever you? find a ma- yeah, and I think that's something we'll we'll uh, probably have a bit more fun with later on. Um, we'll 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 expand that out to the world a bit more. But but yeah, the uh, Regal against um, Kidman. Billy Kidman. Yeah, that was just a fun fifty seven seconds, wasn't it? It had a little bit of everything. It was great. We loved it. Yeah, it's just crazy, crazy stuff. And yet it didn't once feel like two people getting their shit in, as, as they like to say no. about the industry. No, not at all. It was just making the most of the time that they'd been given. All made sense. Oh, uh, this is getting a little bit choreographed, meanwhile, between... Malenka and oh. Ray, but that was a sweet electric chair by Dean. Yeah. Well, 
So the the crowd aren't as lively as they were last night, but then they haven't cracked out the the same level of spectacular moves. But then you wouldn't expect them to. This is free TV over a paper. Yeah, the crowd are subdued as well. They're, you can you can hear that they're with this match. They're not completely indifferent, but they're subdued. And yeah, that, there might be a bit of a frantic closing stretch ahead, but otherwise they're not doing too much to try and whip them into a frenzy. But then that may not be their their mandate tonight. It might not be their prerogative. Ooh. So, similar to the pay-per-view, we've now got Malenko grounding Mysterio, tying him up, stopping him from flying. Yeah, they're working a lot slower than I thought they would. I won't lie. Oh, big powerball. Oh, now the crowd come alive a bit more. Malenko just powerbombed him like he owed him money. Is that what you do to people who owe you money? You powerbomb them? No, just my daughter. Although not that vicious. You Usually onto the sofa. Your daughter owes you money? Well, yeah. Do you, you know how much all these ice creams come to collectively? That's true. I, I never once implied that I was paying for them, that they were my treat. I want the money back. But that powerbomb... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, that powerbomb woke the crowd up. Sorry, Dean. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, be nice to your daughter because she'll choose your old people's home in years to come. Oh, there'll be no old people's home for me. I'll I'll be I'll be running the streets powerbombing random people. <laughs> you won't be in an old people's home. You'll be in jail for randomly powerbombing They've people. They've got to catch me first. They can't catch you if you've powerbombed them. I'll powerbomb the coppers as well. They can they can have their their tasers and their and their sticks and they can have their numbers advantage, but you can't beat a good old fashioned powerbomb. Unless you got a taser. I mean, the main event of uh, Halloween Havoc '93 taught us that. Oh, here's Mysterio with the uh, springboard top rope Hurricane Rana, and the crowd have come alive for that. But then Starcade 98 showed us that a taser plus a powerbomb is the perfect combination. Ah, there you go. Yeah, they, these two are starting to get a little crisper, a little stiffer here, and it's it's working. Sunset flip powerbomb. Oh, the Ooh, crowd really? was buying that one. Yeah, they are they are cranking up. We're we're. Presumably in like the last minute or so of the match, I would think. Yeah, the, oh, the that, frantic... That could have been smoother, but it, it worked nicely. The, the frantic wiggling they do when they're into the pinning position is really getting the fans to believe that there's a, there's a roll-up finish coming. Mm. That's an underrated little trick to really put your desperate wriggling into a pin cover. Yeah. Oh, Scorpion Death oh. Drop. And before it became a sting it. thing. <laughs> mm. Oh, wow. 
Still, a very the different champ. match to the pay per view match, though, as well. And that's a skill in itself, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. A, a different match with the same opponent in front of the same audience. And by that, obviously, I mean TV rather than live audience. Well, they gradually pulled the crowd into that one, and admittedly, they gradually pulled the two of us into it as well. Yes. We're going to get that clothesline on the replay. Watch that. <laughs> Doesn't even have to follow through with his arm. Not like that. <laughs> and they get that reverse DDT again because he hit that yeah, with some authority. Look at that. Oh. Ray just got his head loose at the right time. That was perfectly done. Mm. So it looks but like. Also, it's worth remembering that's two defeats in a row for Rey Mysterio. But, I mean, he's started at the top with the Cruiserweight Champion. So I'm guessing they'll start building him up with lower level opponents and, and come back up top again. Yeah, there's always been that general belief in wrestling that a, that a smaller babyface can afford to lose more matches because it's, it's expected. I don't yeah. necessarily agree with that, but that tends to be the foundation of the of the situation, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and you get it, you know, you, you also see it in, in another one of my favourite sports, Sumo, because uh, the March tournament just finished this past weekend. And yeah, the, there are smaller guys who, who win a lot less matches, a lot fewer matches, I should say. Um, but the crowd love them. And when they do win, big pop. Mm. Um, the... The advert for the latest edition of WSW Magazine just showed the gulf between the weekly live TV show and the print magazine they still churn out. <laughs> because in this month's edition, Dean, are the Booty Babe and a look at Nitro commentary featuring babyface commentator Steve McMichael. Oh. So, yeah. Mainstream print was never going to last forever. Definitely not. But it's still got that niche following. That will never go away. Always have a niche uh, fondness amongst hipsters and diehards. A good old-fashioned yes. print magazine. So, Scott Steiner is out with his ribs taped up. And I am now thinking, I don't know if Booker T was anywhere near his ribs. I thought he landed on his shoulders, but I can't remember now. And bear, bearing in mind that the Steiners and most other wrestlers will withstand much more in a wrestling match than yes. that one move. So it's a, it's a little bit off key here. Is, is, is it WCW logic or is it wrestling logic? Can it be both? Why not? So, uh, I mean, I, I guess the, the idea behind this is we've got a baby face who is going up against the largest athlete in the company. So he, the odds are stacked against him anyway. But on top of that, he's got an injury that he's carrying. So so I, I'm presuming this match will be intended to get sympathy for Scott Steiner as a baby face. Yeah. 
and obviously having taped ribs and a daunting opponent actually gives the baby face a reason to be scowling like a hill like he normally does. <laughs> yes. He has and an excuse. And a reason to lose. Yes. Although he's not as tall as a giant, he is getting to the point now where he's almost as big and wide as the giant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did I mention... Uh, we... Scott, sorry, I was going to say, did I mention that Scott Steiner is a contact of mine of, on LinkedIn? Yes, you have. Yeah. That spells with disaster his, uh, for you at sacrifice. With uh, With his restaurant. But now I think he's shut now. I believe so. Yeah, his his LinkedIn page is mostly about his wrestling experience and availability for appearances. He obviously did that UK oh. tour, didn't he, five years ago? Mm. Yes. Unfortunately, I had a ticket for that, and unfortunately, I couldn't make it because I was at the um, the prenatal classes ahead of the birth of our daughter. There's a true story for you. How how dare childbirth get in the way of your hobby? I know. Well, I did. I I did have the ability to miss. There was like five of them, and it was agreed that I could skip out on one to do that. But then I was given the opportunity to fly to Baltimore and interview Michael Phelps for work, which would have missed uh, another one. So yeah. obviously Baltimore and, and, trumped. Uh, and yeah, and eat a sandwich outside the Baltimore Arena. Yes, that comes up a lot, doesn't it? It In does. fact, it's what only you that it? brings up the sandwiches. How am I supposed to yeah. remember that? It obviously means oh. more to you than it does to me. Why don't you tell me what sandwich I had, Dean? Hey? I can't remember. <laughs> so um, Scott Steiner has tried to slam the giant and has been able to, well, been unable to hold his weight and has had the giant land on his ribs. And he's just had the giant standing on his ribs. So all in all, it's a bit of a shit day for Scott Steiner. At least now he has reason to be wearing rib tape. Yeah. This is the kind of day where he's going to drive home and get stuck in really bad traffic. And by the time he gets in, he just wants to go to bed. And then he finds out that his cat's been sick on the duvet. Oh, and not only that, but that double axe handle to the back from a giant sounded like a steel chair shot. It was probably worse than a steel chair shot. Hey. I remember that happening with my old cat a couple of times. I'd come home from a wrestling show absolutely knackered and the little fuck had been sick on my bed. <laughs> so then you got to change the bedding and, oh. I, look, I, I see all these Facebook memories and I just think to myself, why did I have a cat again? He was a wanker. <laughs> But at the same time, I keep thinking, I really want a cat. So you can go through that all over again. Exactly. I don't know why, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say anything, but... So, this is, we're back back to the action, and, and it's essentially it's a squash match, because Scott Steiner has had zero offense he, uh, since he attempted that body slam. I mean, it's it's making sense. It is it is going to be making the uh, the unlikely fight back and valiant attempt uh, something to watch. 
They're trying yeah. to get the crowd into it while he's got him in the camel clutch here. The Steiner recliner? No, it's it's on Steiner, so it's just a camel clutch. But now we know where he got the idea from. Jimmy Hart's very happy dancing around ringside. And I don't know if you remember this, actually, but it would be some 13, 14, 15 years later that Paul White would temporarily use a version of the camel clutch as his finish. Would he? Yeah. It was a very brief period. I think it was when he was teaming as the tag champs with Chris Jericho that he would occasionally win a match with the colossal clutch. And it kind of worked because if you've got Paul White sitting on your back and pulling your head back, (laughs) let's just say you're done, yeah. The crowd are subdued, but then, I mean, I guess that's because of of what's happening in the match. Yeah, we're going to see if this was all worthwhile when Scott hits yeah. the comeback. If it can trigger a pop, then it's worth the subdued. And we've seen from this crowd, they're not really a, a constantly loud crowd. They are, a, they are a popping crowd, aren't they? Yes, very much so. They're not your typical like places like Chicago like to be sustained walls of noise. Philadelphia yeah. as well can't stand the, the prospect of silence because someone might not be able to hear their voice. But um, <laughs> it's but, just about to say Philadelphia, yeah. Yeah, they they do not like the idea of not letting you know what they think at any one moment or any one <laughs> five second period of time. We're back out of the ring. They're, they're stretching this out a little bit. I'll say that much. They are. So, um, Heenan on commentary is just talking about how Luger got him up in the torture rack. I, I don't know if you're aware, Liam, but the uh, the replay of this pay-per-view is on tomorrow night at 8, eight o'clock. Oh, where do I sign up? I, I don't know if they mentioned that enough. Oh, no. Giant's gone for a wooden chair. He's dominating this match and he feels the need to bring in a wooden chair. A wooden chair as well, yeah. Hmm. Oh, now we're getting the comeback. The Giant just went to climb over the ropes to get in the ring and when while he was straddling the ropes, Steiner's just pulled the ropes up and crotched him. And the giant is now on his knees, and Scott Steiner has now got a sleeper hold on him. See, now, because he's having to go a bit underhanded with his comeback, while realistic, it's subduing the, the reaction from the crowd here, rather than if he had you know, if he had dodged the charge in the corner and maybe, like, mm. clotheslined the stagger giant off his feet. Here comes that charge, actually. Yeah. But a very, again, a subdued crowd. Giant now charges into this the corner and misses. There it is, oh. see? There we go. That's what they were waiting for. They wanted a babyface comeback. Yeah, explode a suplex and onto the Giant. That was a great lift. They they wanted to see the, the Valiant come, but they didn't want to see him chop-blocking the Giant or using the ropes to, to stun him. They wanted that. Yeah. So 
So they were there at least. But he's not, he's not going to be doing a Frankensteiner, is he? No, I mean, he shouldn't be doing that to anyone, as we saw at the pay-per-view. He's, he's officially too big for the Frankensteiner. Oh, he's got that chair. Jimmy Hart's in to stop him. <laughs> That's the why they use the wooden chair. Breaks. And the giant no-sells it. How come that's not a disqualification? Well, in football, they'd be sticking two arms right right now, wouldn't they? Play advantage. Wow. So, basically, Scott Steiner broke the wooden chair over the giant. The giant no-sold it and immediately chokeslammed Scott Steiner for the win. And he doesn't even get his theme music. He gets the... <laughs> He gets the nitro music because we're going straight to Dean. Our big, the big announcement. announcement. Yeah. yeah. And the weird thing with that was that the ending of the match didn't even play into the ribs at all. It makes me wonder if there's any point in him having the ribs taped up. Yeah, I, th- I think much. I think we could have had the match just as well without. Much like the rest of this show, it was just okay, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't a tremendous show. There were some good moments, but but again, if you condense the better of this show into one hour, we're probably really enjoying it. But now at two hours, WCW is going to test us more. I think. Yeah, you see, I was expecting, I was expecting things like seeing a very cocky Steve McMichael swaggering out with the four horsemen to explain why he did what he did, and we haven't had that. We've just had a fleeting appearance from him with the briefcase. Weekly wrestling still didn't have that format yet, though, did it? It weren't until yeah. we got the regular 15-minute opening segment with the talking. That would come in the uh, late 90s, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be expecting it to be the opening segment, but I'd certainly expect there to be an interview segment with all of the horsemen, including Mongo, and we didn't get that. We got a, we got a backstage interview with Flair and a and an interview with Arn Anson and Chris Benoit post-match. But, but yeah, I thought we would have uh, an interview with all four of them on the ramp where Mean Gene is right now, getting the reaction of the crowd. Yeah, although it might not have been a good idea here anyway, because they'd have all been cheered. That's a very good point. Maybe that's why they didn't do it. Well, let's, we'll keep watching a future episodes and maybe we'll get more of an elaborate thing. Okay, so... Hulk Hogan is one of the six names drawn. Yeah. So um, does that does that mean is hypothetically? I know it's all hypotheticals, but if he'd have been drawn on the WCW team, would we have seen a Ted DiBiase Jr. Cody Rhodes Hardcore Holly scenario? Do you remember that? I don't. Cody Rhodes and Hardcore Holly were the tag champions and they were challenged by DiBiase Jr. who promised a tag partner. And then they started the match and I think DiBiase and Hardcore Holly wrestled a little bit. And then Holly tagged in Cody Rhodes who promptly DDT'd his tag partner. Ah. And he introduced him as his tag. So he won the tag title from himself. (laughs) Which I, I kind of liked it. So Sting, Macho and Luger. So who were the other three people? Flair, Giant and Hogan. Right. Which makes sense. Okay. So yeah, you want to protect the Giant. 
they don't they don't want flair they don't want the horsemen as we've said well so at least we've got a team wcw and even even um bobby heenan is like is on the side with them and that concludes the episode of uh, of nitro and i know what you mean it's there there are there are signs of filler, aren't there? We've we've got the we've had the pay per view recaps, we've had the the pre match promos, you know, pre recorded, like we had there with the giant. Um, but the, I mean, apart from maybe, what was it Joe Gomez and Disco Inferno? That was the only <laughs> sort of real filler, lower level match. Yeah, the, the, but there wasn't a huge amount of wrestling on there, was there? No, well, there, there was also Tenter and Rogers, which, given that we've already skipped to the end of the feud, and it's 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 not the greatest thing, but it was certain parts of that feud were better than they had any right to be. But that match on tonight's show was just completely pointless and made no sense, did it? Um, so yeah, there, there was a lot of stuff out that just left us scratching our heads. Thankfully, we really enjoyed the um, the flair and savage antics. It was nothing we yes. haven't seen a million times, but they just do it in such an entertaining fashion. And I really got a kick out of them starting the match just in in their full entrance gear. It's, yes, it's one thing if Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestles the first couple of minutes in his black vest. It's one thing if someone keeps their merchandise T-shirt on over their ring attire. But do you remember what Savage and Flair wear to the ring? Well, You've Flair got... had his big green robe, and Savage <laughs> yeah. had that gaudy vomit-inducing tassely affair. Oh, Oh, that was just such a great visual. It was an underrated visual. I've really got a kick out of that. But yeah, like they are clearly not ready for two hours yet. They don't know how to fill it. And mm. obviously, as we watch some of these back, knowing the general gist of what happens, we might not even capture the magic of it when it starts to get famously good. Because obviously, at the time when the New World Order storyline was unfolding, you had that unpredictability of them storming in and invading and the and and the sheer weirdness of those black and white paid advertisement promos so there's a certain element where yeah when happening first time live it doesn't drag as much but we're going to go through this on a rewatch and we've got hope that some of that still holds up because otherwise it's it's going to feel like triple or quadruple rather than double the length some of these episodes Yeah, definitely. So um, over on um, over on the uh, Monday Night Raw uh, opposition, um, it was a, a taped Raw from from a, it was recorded a few weeks back. It was the quarterfinals or two of the quarterfinals of the King of the Ring. Steve Austin beat Savio Vega. Obviously, this was um, Steve Austin on his way to winning that and cutting the Austin 316 promo. Um, and it was also the debut of the Stone Cold Stunner, believe it or not. Uh, Mark Merrow beat Owen Hart. Hunter Hearst Helmsley had a no contest with Aldo Montoya, um, and Jake Roberts beat Goldust. So a pretty a pretty strong lineup there. And it also had, interesting enough, given what we've been talking about, um, it had footage of Brian Pillman signing his WWF contract. Hmm. Yes. So, um, yeah, so we, um, we've we got another, well, I, I was going to say our next episode, all going well, will be another pay-per-view review with a brand new guest. And then we will be back um, on uh, a watch-along. And I've just had a look, and I can tell you that the next watch-along, um, the next episode of Nitro from June the 24th comes from 
Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, we might have to wait a little bit longer still for that Horseman Hill promo. I'm sorry, Dean. Yeah, um, and uh, oh, there, there was a dark match at the end of the show, which was Flair against um, against Savage. But um, we we do have um, we do have uh, Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit against the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, yeah. Flair and Anderson versus the Rock and Rolls was quite fun a few weeks ago. Yeah, so uh, we got that. We got Randy Savage in action. DDP is on. Eddie Guerrero returns after a, a, a fair, uh, fair old while out. Yeah. And we've, we've also got the Blue Bloods v Public Enemy. So it's all it's all going on. So um, that looks like a you know, on paper that looks a pretty good show. Looks more interesting. Should hold our attention a bit more because it was yeah. It, it, this one wasn't bad, but it did. There was a lot of dragging, wasn't there? Yeah. And we know what the the crowd in Charlotte are like. We know they won't let us down. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, that pretty much brings us to an end to episode 90. Um, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, you can do that at because WCW uh, or we're on Facebook. Um, again, look up because WCW, uh, as Liam mentioned earlier, the pod, the uh, website with all, uh, 90 episodes of the podcast on is because WCW.podbean.com. Uh, but we're also available on a range of other, um, platforms. So basically wherever you get your podcast from, wherever you've listened to this one from, you should be able to listen to all of our back catalog. So, yep, we'll be back very shortly in about a week or so's time. Um, so on behalf of Liam, this is me, Dean, saying thank you so much for taking the time and trouble to download us. Please do rate and review us. We appreciate each and every one of you who do take the time to listen or to uh, give us any feedback. Until next time, this is me, Dean Say. We will see you ringside.